Happy New Year. If you are new this morning, my name is John. I'm, uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. Honestly, uh, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because today we are beginning a series called The, the Way Forward where um, we are, are kind of laying out what we believe as leadership God is calling us uh, toward over the next few years. Okay? Um, you know, I, I want to begin this morning with, uh, with a little survey, um, if you're willing to, to play along with me. Um, how many of you, how many of you are, uh, are, are those who need to know exactly where you're going before you begin a trip? You know, if you're, you're those who, before you ever get in the car, you put in the address in the GPS, and not only that, you actually look at the, the route that you're going to be taking before you ever begin. Is that you? How many, how many of you are, are correct? Okay, how many of you are wrong? And I'm just playing. Now, how, how many of you are, are on the other side where you, um, you are kind of just go with the flow? You're, you're good to, to just go. Let's, let's just start. We'll adjust. We'll correct as we go. How many of you are there? All right. God bless you. <laughs> oh, man. There's no right or wrong. It's just, it's just different, right? Um, I, for one, am the type of person, if you can't tell, who, who likes to see the map and the, the, the route that I'm supposed to be taking in front of me. I want to see that. Just this past weekend, um, we went to Charlotte, North Carolina to be with some friends, and at some point, my, my wonderful wife was like, I'll, I'll help, I'll, I'll tell you where to go, and I was like, I don't know, this is helpful, and she grabbed the, the phone, had the GPS on it, and she was like, all right, yeah, just go straight, and I'm like, that's not helpful, like, what's the next turn? And she was like, it's 100 miles up, and I know, but what is it? Like that, that's, I need to know what the name of the road, like what's the exit at least. Give me, give me something. What am I looking for? It's 100 miles away. I don't care. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's me. Um, that's me. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be like that. Um, maybe, maybe this is from my, my childhood and the, the trauma I faced in my childhood of being lost. Maybe it's just because I am very OCD. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but there, there are different things. Uh, apparently, as a kid, I was, uh, I was prone to wander. Um, I, I, I walked off. My parents have several stories of me as a young child being lost in a very public place. And now, I don't know if that is I'm prone to wander or my parents are very neglectful. And I don't, I don't know which one, who to blame there. Um, but I, I remember one time, I was seven years old in Atlanta, Georgia, um, at the mall at Christmas time, um, yeah. So we were we were there. My sister was singing in a choir at this mall, um, and we were uh, we, we were there to support her. And at some point during this 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 singing here, the show, I had to use the restroom. And um, luckily, one of my friends who was my age had to go as well. And his dad said, "I'll take them." And so he took us to the restroom. And uh, at some point, I don't know how, but he forgot that I was with him. 
And so while I was in the stall, he left with his son and went back to the group. And I came out of the stall at seven years old in a place that I didn't know. And I was, I could not see this guy. And I was like, Oof, okay, um, where are you? Um, I, I now, before, before we, we finish this story, there are a few things you might need to know about me. Um, I am, uh, I, I, I've always had a very vivid imagination, always had a very vivid imagination. I, um, I am always, have always my entire life struggled with very high levels of anxiety, and I am extremely overdramatic. So I, I know those three things, you need to know those three things about me. So I walk out of this door, and I see nobody that I know, and I was not paying attention when we were walking from the, the show to the restroom, so I have no clue how to get back there. I don't even know if I'm supposed to go to the right or to the left, but I walk out and I look and I see nobody that I know. Now remember, this is in the early 90s when malls were doing really good, right? I mean, there were a lot of people at malls. Now you go to the mall and there are like five people, but then there were a lot of people and it was Christmas. There were a lot of people there and I knew nobody. So I started panicking, and, and I, started, I, I started thinking through uh, the worst-case scenarios. What in the world am I going to do? How am I going to live on the streets at seven years old? <laughs> I had no marketable skills at this point. What am I going to do? And so I, I start walking through all of these scenarios, and I'm getting really, really panicky, and I'm kind of overwhelmed. And, and, and so I started, okay, I, I got I to find a way. How, how can I get back? And I started walking, and, and I'm feeling all of the fear and anxiety welling up in me, and I'm looking around, and I finally hear a familiar voice, Jonathan, and I, hear, I could tell it's my dad. And I turn, and I see him, and immediately I felt safe because it was my dad, and I fell apart. And I just ran to him crying, snot going everywhere, and it was, it was amazing. So maybe Maybe it was because of situations like that, and I have like three other stories um, that, that I don't remember, but people told me um, uh, of being lost. So maybe it is something to do with the, the trauma that I faced as a child of not knowing how to get somewhere. Maybe it's just because I am OCD, but I am a firm, firm believer in knowing where you're supposed to be going and how to get there. I, I don't like not knowing how to get where we're going. I don't, like, I, I don't like not knowing where we're headed. I am a firm, firm believer. I am a big proponent in finding the destination and mapping out the best route to, to get there. And so that's what this series is. Um, ultimately, this, this series is a roadmap of sorts of how we are going to get to where God is leading us over the next few years. Now, I, I want to be clear, this is not, this is not a, a roadmap filled with a bunch of goals. This is not a bunch of landmarks that we're going to see. This is not a roadmap filled with a bunch of things that we are going to do. This is a roadmap of how we are going to become the people God wants us to become. That is ultimately what we believe God is calling us to is not a thing to do, but a people to become. And so that is, that is where we are, are headed over the next few years. And as we, we begin, much like on a road trip, we, uh, we, we begin with the end 
in mind. Where are we headed? Where is the end of this, this whole thing? Where are, we, where are we going? Another way to ask this would be, what are we trying to accomplish? Or why do we exist? What is our purpose? What is our purpose? And we find that in the, the first passage we read this morning in Matthew chapter 28, we find our purpose. We find the reason that we as individuals and we as a church exist. Here in, uh, in Matthew 28, we, we have the, the final words that Jesus spoke to his followers before he ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of his father. And you know that, that final words are, are very important, right? They're very significant. The final things that, that people say are very significant, even if it's just the final thing they say to you, even if it's not their last words at all. Those final sentiments right there, they are very, very important. They're significant. They, they ring loud in your, your heart, right? I know my, uh, my, my grandfather, the, just before he lost the ability to, uh, to speak, he said to me, I was with him at the end, uh, and, and he said to me um, th these words. He, he looked at me, and he could barely get anything out, and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those are some of the last words he ever said, and then he said, I'm going to take a nap. And it wasn't long after that he couldn't couldn't speak anymore. And I, I'm not sure that he actually said anything between then and then. But those words ring very loud in my, my mind often. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Those words ring very loud, and that's the case for these words that Jesus spoke to his followers before he ascended into heaven. Those words, you can tell by the book of Acts that those words, they were strong. They, they made an impact on them. They, they felt them deeply. They heard them over and over. They were moved by them, and they began to live by these words. This is what Jesus told the group that was gathered around him right after the resurrection, those who followed him after the resurrection, before he was ascended. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This little final bit of instruction from Jesus, we find, we find the reason that we as a local church exist here at Grace. We word it like this we exist to make more and better followers of Christ. 
We exist to make more and better followers of Christ. It's this, this double-barrel approach to our mission, to our purpose, to our existence is more and better, that we are to make more and better followers of Christ. Now, I, I want to be clear as we begin this new year and as we begin this new way forward that this is who we are. This is what we are about. This is what you can expect is that we will be focused on making more and better followers of Christ. Now, some of you are probably thinking, okay, cool. That's what all churches are about, right? Should be, but no, it's really not. See, in, uh, in different denominations or theological tribes throughout church history, we have found that people focus on one over the other all the time. Certain denominations are built pretty much upon one of these over the, the other. For some groups, it is go and make disciples. We are about the, the more. We call it evangelism, right? We are about this, this more. We, we are about bringing more people into the kingdom, more people into the, the family of God. And, and I've seen this approach very, very often where this group believes that our job is to bring people into the family of God, and then it is their job to grow in their own faith. There's a very well-known uh, evangelist who had many crusades and many, many people come to faith through his crusades. And um, at the, the follow-up at these crusades was simply, um, and I, I don't know this firsthand, this isn't just something I read, my grandparents worked at a few of the crusades, and they said that the follow-up after these crusades was a little bit of information on, this is how you grow your faith, all right, good luck. There was no, like, let's connect you to a local church so that you can be discipled. There was no, like, there was no system or strategy on how to reach back out to them and connect with them and help them grow in their faith. It was simply, congratulations, you're in the family of God. You get to go to heaven. All right, good luck. We'll see you later. That is how a lot of churches and whole denominations figure this whole thing out and work through this whole thing is that it is all about more. It is all about more, and we see this not just back then, but now too, right? I mean, that, that's where this whole explosion of the seeker movement happened was with the best of intentions. We, as a church, wanted to find a way to get the people who were not coming to church to come to church, and so we, be, we began to, to move away from some topics that we probably should talk about, but instead we start talking about the things that make people want to follow a person follow a pastor, follow a church instead of following Jesus. And what we've done is we have created people who may be in the family of God, but they have no real idea of how to do it effectively. And then you have on the other side, the other side of the spectrum, we see churches that are built completely and solely on the better. We just want to pour information into our people. We want to, to grow the, the knowledge that we have. We want, to be, we, we, we want to be just very intellectual with our, uh, our knowledge of theology. We want to have this vast, this vast thing. What we say um, to spiritualize this is that we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep, right? You, you've, heard, you've heard that probably. 
And so we want to go deep, and I'm all for having deep disciples. I think that is something that we need to have. That is something that we really desperately need to have. But what often happens in this approach is that we focus on going deep so much that, that we, we become so insular that we are not, not caring about the people around us. And in our, the, this is, this is what, what's so ironic about it, is that in our efforts and our attempts to grow deep, we actually become so shallow in our formation because if your formation in Christ is not leading you toward other people, you're doing it wrong. If you are not being led toward somebody else, you are not becoming like Christ. If your faith and your formation is not taking you to somebody else, you are not becoming like him because Jesus was always going after other people. He was always going after the hurting. He was always going after the lost. So we cannot, we cannot Neglect one for the sake of the other. We have to have both of them. See, both of them have extreme merits, but only focusing on one causes really, really big problems. And so we have to focus on both. We are, are called by Jesus, not John, to go and make disciples to go and make disciples actively bring people into the kingdom and the family of, uh, of God. That is the more. We are called to go make disciples. That's more. And we are called by Jesus in the same breath to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is better. We are commanded by Jesus in the same breath to make more, to bring more people in, and to make these more better. We are to go and make disciples, teaching them to observe, teaching them how to live this life of faith. This is evangelism and discipleship together. This is bringing new people in, people who don't know Jesus, into the family and helping them know how to live this faith and become more and more like Jesus, this is, this is what our uh, purpose is, is more and better. This is not groundbreaking stuff. I get that. This is not new. This is not a, a new approach to this. This is actually extremely old. There, there was a point in my life where I loved New and I, I wanted to be at the cutting edge of everything and do things that, that nobody else was doing. And, and I still think there's probably some room for that. But there's something special about being connected to the thousands of years of history that we have in our church. This approach to the church is what the early church did, was making more and better followers of Jesus. Like I said, this isn't, this isn't new. This is all very basic. This isn't groundbreaking. You're all like, yeah, absolutely. We should be about this. This should be our approach. This is what our church should be about. I, I know that's probably what you're, you're thinking, but here's where I'm going to lose some of you. 
It is not just the we who are called. It's me who is called to make more and better followers of Christ. In fact, I I want all of you to say this with me. We have it up here. All of you say this with me. It's not just the we. It's me who is called to make more and better followers of Christ. It is not just the job of the collective church or this this corporation or this entity together that is called to make more and better followers of Christ. You are called to make more and better followers of Christ. It is not just we, but it's me. It is you. See, this is where we as elders realize things have to begin to shift for us as grace, as a church. It's something that we as individuals have to begin to own. It's not just the we, but it's me. Because what happens when it's we is that it means it's somebody else. If nobody takes ownership, then nobody takes ownership, right? It has to be a a me. I am the one. You are the one. See, collectively as a church, we are called to make more and better followers of Jesus and Christian talking to you. You are called to make more and better followers of Jesus. And I, I can already see the tension in some of you. You're trying not to show it. You're trying to hide it. You're not a big fan of this statement. We get very nervous at things like this because we don't really know what to do with that. I don't really know how to make more and better followers of Jesus. I, I, I don't really know what I'm, I'm doing. I don't know where to begin to do this. I, I, these things are scary. They're uncomfortable. It's easy to come to church and to listen to, to a message on the stage. It's easy to, to be in a life group and, and have conversations with other believers about the Bible and grow some of that information. It's relatively easy to volunteer um, here at the church. These are the things that we signed up for. This is what we're used to. These are the things that are easy to us and we're comfortable with them. Some of you are building a case in your head for why this doesn't apply to you. I do that all the time too, so don't feel bad really. I do that all the time too. My, I'll tell you what my case that I build in my head looks like, just so you don't feel bad about yours. What I began to say about myself is, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I mean, that's my job. I, I actually preach the gospel every Sunday. So people can just come to church and hear me, and I'll, I'll, I, that's how God can use me to make more followers. They can hear the, the gospel, and God can speak to their hearts, and they can, be, they can become believers there. And, and I'm actually leading the whole church in, in how to, to make disciples and how to make more and, and better followers of Jesus. So I'm, I, this, is, this is kind of how I'm excused from this whole thing, right? That's, those are my excuses. I mean, those are, that's my case that I'm building. What's yours? What's the case that you are building in your head right now for why it is okay that you are not making more and better followers of Jesus? I don't really know how to do this. I'm still new to my faith. 
mean, it's only been 15 years. I'm still a baby. I'm just trying to grow in my knowledge of Jesus right now. I'm just really, really trying to focus on him right now. What's, what's the case you're building in your head right now? What are the excuses, even though we don't like to call them that? Friends, if your faith and your formation are not driving you toward people who don't know Jesus, you're not doing it right. You are not becoming like him. Becoming like Christ means that we are drawn toward other people. Becoming like Christ means that we are going to those who are hurting, those who are lost. Becoming like Christ means that we are going after those who frustrate us and helping them look more like Jesus. So what does this look like? What, is this, what does this look like for us? What does this look like for you as an individual? What does this look like for, for me as an individual? What does this look like for us as a group moving forward? See, this, this command to go and make disciples might actually be a very big step for us. This might be a huge step for us because we haven't done it before, but it was not it was not a big step for the, the early church. It was not a big step for the disciples, for the, the followers of Jesus that he was talking to right then. It was not a, a departure from, from what they were used to doing. This is something that they had been doing all along. I mean, we look back to John chapter 1 that we, we just read a few moments ago. We, we see in this passage the, the model that, that they actually used for this approach to making more and, and better followers. It was really, uh, it was really pretty, pretty interesting here in, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 37, just before what we read, verse 37, it says, two, the two disciples who uh, were following John heard him, John, say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? So we see here at the, the right, right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right at the beginning of his time with these disciples, John the Baptist, just before this, says, behold, the Lamb of God. And these two disciples say, oh, that, that guy? And they start following him. And Jesus looks back at him and says, what are you seeking? What are you, what are you seeking? So this term seeking, this term seeking that Jesus uses here is, is the term that, that, that really means pursuing to find. It's, it's, not just, it's not just like, ah, I'm out here, like we think of seeking where I'm kind of half-heartedly seeking. Like, no, this is, I am intent on finding this. I will not give up until I find that thing I am searching for. They were, they were looking for something very specific. They were not just watching at a, a distance. They were, they were intently watching him. They were intently pursuing him. They were intently going after the Messiah, the Lamb of God. 
And so this first thing that we see here, the first thing that we see on, on their approach to doing this, making more and better followers, was simply that they pursued Jesus. They pursued Jesus. They went after him. They, they went after Jesus. They, they wanted to, to know him. They, they, they longed for him. They, they were desperate to, to find out more and more about him. And, and immediately after, after they began to follow him, they, they began to learn more and more about him. And, and I love that, that Jesus looks back at them and, and says, what are you, what are you seeking? Making them, making them acknowledge what exactly they were doing. What exactly are you, what are you, what are you doing? Acknowledge it. Be vocal about it. Now they chickened out and they didn't say it. They said, well, where do you live? You know, where, where are you going? But Jesus was very intentional about his hey, I, I, want you to, I want you to declare, I want you to, to acknowledge this, admit to what you're actually doing, that you are pursuing me. And he saw that they were kind of timid in their thing, and so his response to them was, well, all right, well, come, come and see. Come and you will see. Come and you will see. It's going to happen. When you follow me around, you will see. You will begin to understand who I am. You will begin to understand me. You will begin to know me. Come and see. Pursue me. Follow me. Now, I get, I understand that, that Jesus is the great pursuer. I understand that God is the one that pursues us. I understand that no one can come to the Father except for the Spirit draws him. I, I understand that God is the one who pursues us, but we cannot hear that statement and think that that negates any responsibility on our part to actually follow and pursue him. We still have responsibility to pursue him, to follow him. We cannot simply wait around for osmosis to just make this thing happen in us, that we become formed into his image. No, we have to follow him. That, that, is, that is why we have to be intentional about our time with Jesus. That is why we have to be intentional about our time in Bible study. That is why we have to be intentional about our time in prayer, because we have to be intentional about our own formation. Now, I don't want to get into that too much, because that's what we're going to talk about in, in a couple of weeks, taking ownership of our own formation. But first, the first thing that we can do is begin to pursue Jesus. And I, and I know, I know that, that doesn't, simply, it doesn't, doesn't seem like, okay, this is different than going and, and, and making more or better followers. But this is what they did, right? They, they pursued Jesus. They, they pursued Jesus here to, to do this. And then the second thing they did, they, they pursued Jesus. And then the second thing they did to, to make this more and better followers is that they simply found somebody and brought them along. Andrew here that, that we're talking to, or first here where Jesus, he says, who are you seeking? And he says, where are you going? And Jesus says, come and you'll see. It says that Andrew then went and found his brother, Simon, who we know as Peter, and said, hey, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. We found him. Come and see. 
And then we see that, that Philip, it says that Jesus found Philip. And the Philip, it says that he went and found Nathaniel and said, we have found the Messiah. We have found him. We have found the one we've been looking for. Come and see. We have found the Messiah, and this is who he is. And that, that, is, that is simply what, what they did. They, they pursued Jesus, and their pursuit of Jesus caused them to go find somebody else and say, hey, come with me. Come, come along with me. Just I don't know all the answers. I don't know all of this stuff. I don't, I'm not good at all of this stuff, but just walk with me. I know what he's done for me. Just walk with me. This is, the, this is the approach that the early church had, and you see it all throughout Acts as well, is that they didn't have this great structured uh, evangelism program. They just simply brought people along with them as they followed Jesus. Their first priority and goal was to see Jesus and to know Jesus and to walk with him, and right there behind it was to bring somebody else with them. Who needs to walk with me as I pursue Jesus? It's that simple. It is really that simple to just follow Jesus and bring somebody along with you. See, they didn't learn to, to preach these beautiful sermons. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't learn apologetics. They didn't learn how they could argue doubts, and they didn't learn how they could argue all of this disbelief. They, they simply said, hey, I know this guy because I know what he's done for me. Come check him out. Come check him out. Just walk, walk with me. Walk, walk with me as we pursue this guy together. Come see. Come, come see. They, they pursued Jesus, and their pursuit caused them to bring other people along. This was their natural response because found people find people. That is just what happens. When you have found the Messiah, when you have found Jesus, you cannot help but tell people about it. When you fall in love with somebody, you can't help but have that come out of your mouth, right? When you fall in love with, with the person that you, you, you marry, you're very annoying at first. Because all you want to talk about is that person, right? When you have kids, you're very annoying again because you're exhausted and all you want to talk about is your kid. Because when you love something, you find ways for that to come up in conversation, right? Because you want everybody to know this thing that you know. You want everybody to see this person the way you see this person. You want everybody to be in love with this person the way you are in love with this person because they are that special. They are that awesome. That is how it should be with our relationship with Jesus. We should see him for as beautiful as he is. We should know how awesome he is and that should cause us to want everybody to see him the way that we see him. We should want everybody to know him the way we know him. We should want everybody to understand what he has done for us because he can do that for them as well. And it just comes out in conversation. I don't have all the answers. 
It's like in, in John chapter 9, where the man was blind, and Jesus heals him. And they're all frustrated, right? All the religious leaders are frustrated. Who did this? Tell us who this man was. And his response is awesome. He says, who he was, I don't know. But I know that I was blind, and now I see. I don't have all the answers, but I know Jesus. I know what he's done for me. That is the simplest evangelistic approach you can have. I don't have all the answers, but I know what he's done for me. I can't answer all of your questions. I'm not even going to try to argue with you. But I know what he's done for me. I know who he has been for me. See, I know this sounds like a daunting task. I know it's scary to a lot of us. I know a lot of us are not outgoing. I know a lot of us are not great with words. I get both of those. But I say this with all the love I have. Our shortcomings do not excuse us from doing that thing God calls us to do. Your inabilities, that you see them as inabilities, do not negate the call of God on your life as a believer to make more and better followers of Jesus. This is the, the calling that we as a church are committing to, not these big goals to accomplish, but simply becoming a people who pursue Jesus and bring people along with us. That we pursue Jesus and bring people along with us. That is the, the challenge that we have over these next few years. This year specifically, that is our goal. That is our priority. That is our focus. That we as a church, as leadership, are going to give tools and resources on how you can pursue Jesus and bring people along with you. That is our commitment to each one of you is that we are going to give tools and resources on how to pursue Jesus and bring people along with you. You don't have to know everything. Just follow Jesus. And so what this really means for us practically over the next year and the years that follow is that we are working through our programs. We're looking at all of the programming that we have, and we are trying to decide what we need to do and the best way to do it so that we are enabling all of our people to pursue Jesus and bring people along with us. That we are looking at everything we do and we are finding the best way to create, create a group of people who are so desperate for Jesus, so passionate about following and pursuing Jesus, and passionate about bringing people along with us. That is what one of the things that we're doing. That, that means that we are going to create a place here. Over the next few years, this is not an overnight, over-the-night thing. This is, this is over the next few years, we're going to create a place here where people with doubts, people with questions can come to this place and wrestle through their doubts and have their, their questions answered here together. 
This is going to be a safe place to wrestle with those doubts because we're not scared of doubts. We're not scared of questions. This is a place where where you are going to be able to do that. You're going to be able to bring your friends who don't know, who are having all of these deep, intense questions. They can come here and feel safe to work through them here and find the tools to do so. That means that we are going to give tips and tools for evangelism. We're going to do things in our community together and help you do them individually so that you can show the people around you that you are here for them and you can bring people into the community, into the kingdom of God. We are going to give tips and resources on how you can grow your own faith and you can be formed deeply into the image of God, not stay on the surface or stay shallow, but you can become deeply formed into to the image of God and how you can help others do the same. This is our commitment to you over the next few years is that we are going to find all of these resources and give them to you. We're laying out a discipleship plan over the next few months on what this looks like for you and for those around us. And as I just said that, that got really intimidating. But This is what is necessary. The big thing that we're going to focus on this year is simply pursuing Jesus and bringing other people along with us. We're not asking that anybody take courses on apologetics right now. We're not asking that everybody take seminary courses. We are simply asking that everybody step out of their comfort zone and pursue Jesus with all they have and just invite somebody to go with them. Don't invite somebody who's already doing it. Defeats the purpose. I get that there are some in here who are excited about this. I could probably point at you. You're chomping at the bit. You're ready to go. There's some of you who are already doing this. You're like, man, I've been waiting on you guys to get your act together for a while. I'm out here doing this. I I, I get that. Let's do this together. Let's do this right. Let's let's make sure that we are pursuing Jesus with everything inside of us and, and that we are helping bring people along with us. And I understand that there are some of you who are probably more, uh, probably more like Nathaniel. You're not, you're not Andrew, you're not Philip, you're not, you're not the one who's eagerly following Jesus yet. You're more like Nathaniel where he's like, can anything good even come out of Nazareth? He had doubts. He didn't even know if he could believe that this guy was the Messiah. It's okay if you have doubts. It's okay if you have questions. It's okay if you don't know everything. It is okay. I, I want to be clear. What, what happens often is we, we ignore those doubts and we ignore those questions and we ignore those concerns until they become so big that they cause us to leave faith altogether. Instead of doing that, let's work through those doubts. Let's work through those questions. Let's work through those concerns. It is okay if you don't know. My challenge to you this morning is the same challenge that Philip gave Nathaniel. Just come and see. 
It's okay if you don't know right now. It's okay if you don't believe right now. Just come and see. Follow along with us. Walk with us as we pursue Jesus and see what happens. Because ultimately, it is not my job to make you believe. It's not my job to make you believe. The only one who can help you believe is you. But we invite you, come, see. Come and see. This is a safe place for you. But I know that the majority of us, the majority of us probably lie in this category where we want to do this. There's a a conviction or a challenge inside of us to do this but we're scared. This is uncomfortable. I don't really know how to do this. That's not really my thing. Whatever your case is that you do, this this is my challenge that I have for you. Don't overcomplicate this. Don't overcomplicate this. You don't have to work out the best message to preach to people. Don't overthink this. My challenge to you, pursue Jesus and then just find people to bring along with you. Just pursue Jesus and find people to bring along with you. Again, don't overcomplicate this. Don't make this something that it's not supposed to be. Like I said a minute ago, it's not my job to make you believe. It is not your job to be so convincing to the people around you that they believe. It is your job to just introduce them to Jesus. Just pursue Jesus and bring people along with you. I'm I'm really excited about about what this is going to look like over the next few years. I'm really excited about, about this year, honestly. This year... Uh, this year, is, I, I, I'm, we, we talked about it Thursday night as, as elders, and I'm, I'm honestly really excited about what we have planned for this year on how we are going to help you actually pursue Jesus and then help bring people along with you. In February, in February we, are, we are calling everyone, everyone in this, this church, everyone who calls this church my church, everybody who's just here seeing it, checking it out, we invite you to come along with us, but we are calling everybody to commit to this act of pursuing Jesus and bringing other people along with us by having 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days where we are are going to pursue Jesus with everything we have. That we are going to sacrifice something for the sake of seeking him. We're going to close our mouths on something that we desperately want for something that we desperately want more. There's going to be more information about that um, in the the weeks to come, but that is what we're going to do in, in the month of February. We are going to spend 21 days praying and fasting for God to reveal himself to us and to bring people along with us. Our commitment, our commitment as elders, when I say our, I mean our as leadership here at the church, is that we are committed to becoming this. 
not committed to accomplishing these things or, or setting up these programs. Are, are, we are committed to becoming a people who passionately pursue Jesus and are committed to bringing people along with them. That is all we ask. Pursue Jesus and bring people along with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you would help us, help us today to uh, be committed, God, to pursuing you and to finding people to bring along with us, bring those people into our paths, into our lives that we can bring with us. God, I thank you for where you are leading us, what you are doing in us and through us over the next few years. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Would you stand with me and receive this benediction on your way out? Would you, would you just extend your arms like you're receiving a gift? Just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. Receive this from, from God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.